Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the September 25th edition of the Hughes Sports Podcast. I am your host, of course, Jake Hughes. Alongside me is usually the old man. However, he is still on vacationing in Europe, hopefully having the time of his life. Um, seeing as I haven't spoke to him in like two weeks, week and a bit now, he's, he's probably loving it. Um, I do, however, have been on the show before. DJ coming on. DJ, how are you doing? Rocking, I'm good, man. Rocking the only Hughes Sports Podcast hoodie ever made. Hey, that's what happens when you're the number one viewer in uh, in in categories. In uh, number one viewer, contests. number 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 one fan. The uh, the winner of the the Hughes Sports Playoff Fantasy Bracket Challenge. Despite what the old man says, he doesn't count. When you that's click randomize, when you click randomize twelve times, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> How are you doing, Deej? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, excited for the NFL or NHL season to, to get going. We're not talking NFL because my team's We're out not already. So I'm really excited for the NHL season to get going. Uh, been watching a little bit of junior hockey to kind of get amped up. And uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. And I'm doing good. That's good. I. We have uh, Dom in chat talking about how he's jealous of your sweater. So maybe, maybe Dom, if you're better at fantasy hockey this year uh, in the playoffs, you might get your own hoodie too. You never know. Never um, know. I'm going to need a hat next year when I win it again. I'm going to need a hat so I can look full ensemble. That's fair. Yeah, there we go. And then, you know, eventually you'll get the sweatpants. So it'll just be a whole huge sport. Yeah, I'll have. be able to just walk around full billboard. Full. Hey, you know what? We appreciate that. Um... Let's just jump into it because we have a, a little bit of quite a bit of hockey stuff because we have finally had on ice action for the Canucks in a real sort of game. <laughs> uh, it was a preseason game. The roster they brought was not great. However, it was still a 10 to zero loss going up against the Flames in Calgary here um, yeah. last night. It's uh, it's a tough look. Obviously, going into that, you know that they're going to lose. Just looking at the rosters that were presented, I, I just looked at the Canucks rosters and I was like, yeah, they're going to lose. Um, and then I looked at the Flames roster. Like, I I assume the Flames, they're home, but like, the guys got to go home at, at night. You know, they're going to play some of their stars and they played a lot of them. And Markstrom played yep. almost the whole game. I would and... say they played a majority of their top three lines. I'd say eight of the top nine players were in four forward. Yeah. And at least the top, if I'm thinking correctly, at least top two defensemen, if not the top four defensemen. Yeah, because they need to play a game. But 10 nothing is still kind of embarrassing when you get a Very touchdown and a field goal put up on you. It doesn't matter who's playing. It's not a good luck. No, not a good luck. Uh, I was literally, I started watching, uh, went into the second period, and I think we let in the 4 nothing goal. And I decided, you know what, that's it. I'm going to call my mother, who is watching. Hello, mother. Uh, and talk to her on the phone while watching the rest of that massacre. Because it was just... I wish there was something positive other than the game is now over and we can move on. And hopefully when we play in Edmonton on Wednesday, it's not that bad. But yeah, did you did you watch the whole game? Did you get, catch most of it? No, no. I, I actually fell asleep. I, I intended to watch it and I ended up passing out in my bed. And no, I woke up and I was like, okay, um, what, uh, what's going on? And I opened up Twitter and it was the end of the second. It was 7 nothing, And I went, you know what? I'm just going to go get dinner. I, yep, I don't need to watch the rest of this. That was the, yeah, you made the right choice. Taking a nap would have been the right choice. Um, yeah. In my watching, I mean, on the roster, uh, we had P- Pod Colson, P- Puse, Suter, uh, Jack Studnicka, Nils Hoglong, Nils Hoaglander, Nils Amon, uh, Carlson. I don't remember what his first name is off the top of my head. Linus. Dakota, Linus? Linus Carlson, Dakota Joshua, Atu Ratu, Sheldon Dries, Aiden McDonough, Max Sasson, Danila Klimovic as your forwards. On that yeah. roster, you've got two guys who are almost guaranteed in the NHL. And the rest of your top six are fighting for an NHL position plus Dries. Yeah. On defense, you had Hiroshi, Juleson, Irwin, McWard, Rathbone, Wu, 
And then you had the new pronunciation of Shilovs. That's right. Shinko. Yeah. Now, I don't want to say I'm glad we went out based off of this one preseason game. Glad that we went out and picked up uh, uh, what's his name? From, the Smith. Uh, yeah, the Smith. Casey the Smith. But holy jeez, am I happy that we have a competent backup uh, in case the worst case scenario like last year happened with uh, with that. Group. Yeah. Because she loves just he doesn't look ready. And he's no, still, he's got a lot of time. He, he can still grow into it, but no, he doesn't. And uh, I think another year, another year where he can go down to Abbotsford and be the guy is uh, exactly what he needs. Um, I know there's, I don't know, there's there's kind of a goalie like stockpile right there right now, but uh, I think they're going to be trying to move on from Spencer Martin. There's been a few uh rumors i've heard in the uh twitter sphere at sphere i guess um but uh yeah i think uh she loves is gonna have to be the number one in the ahl and he's gonna have to prove that he can be if you want to be comfortable with him moving forward obviously he had a great world juniors or world championships this offseason but uh a good week of good week week and a half of hockey does not equal a good 82 game player no and again, the nice thing with the organization finally moving the farm to Abbotsford is that you can get um, Ian Clark down to Abbotsford training with them every day or yep. a couple times a week and yep. get she loves that 40 to 50 games in a season where he is the man. He is the guy who needs to be there and has the pressure on him. Um, the only other spotlight I saw on this game, and it, it, it was a small one, was uh, uh, Hoaglander on the four track. Don't get me wrong; I think um, I think it's still a stretch for him to make the opening night roster, despite my desire and my want for him to be on that opening night roster, and my uh, predictions, which we will get to later in the show, of our opening night roster. Um. He needs this to, to me, both uh, Hoaglander and Colson. This is kind of their make or break year. Yeah. If, if they're back and forth between the AHL this year and not full time, or I would say majority of the time, over 50% in the NHL, you got to start looking at moving them for to recoup draft picks. Yeah. If you can, or they're just career AHLers, which there's nothing wrong with. It just would be nice to get plus side out of guys we've seen positives out of. Um, because both Pod Colson and Hoaglander were given premium positions in uh, in training camp this year, coming in. Absolutely. With Tockett, with, with uh, Hoaglander playing alongside his friend Patterson and some guy named Andre Kuzmenko. And then Pod Colson uh, being put under the tree of uh, Jimothy Timothy Miller to uh to learn from and i can't remember who asked the question but uh someone had asked one of the members of the connects uh media asked miller like why do you think they put you two together like was it a, a learning moment and miller was like yeah i see myself in this kid because i had all these pressures and all these expectations were built very similarly our game style is a little bit different but very similar if i can help him improve and help him be better then maybe it works. So I'm hoping that Tockett and Alvin and Rutherford give him a chance to grow. But this core also needs to win into the playoffs. Just, just yeah. get into the playoffs this year. So it's going to be yeah. very, very interesting. Something else that's very interesting that uh, I think is going to take up a lot of uh, uh, Canuck media time is going to be Who's going to play on the right side or just on the ice with Hughes? Because really with Hughes, he can play either side. And he's very all over the place, dynamic, moving the puck. Who do you want to see play with Hughes? 
because he came into the training camp and he, the first day they put him with <sighs> Noah Juleson. Yeah. And Rick Tockett mentioned that he likes having a lefty and a righty together on the defense. Yeah. Day two and three, and during the scrimmage, Hughes was paired with Carson Soucy, who has never had first line minutes, first pairing mm. minutes. Yeah. I. <sighs> I think, in a way, what you need is somebody like Luke Shen, who was just kind of a stay-at-home, he was steady, he was can kind of do his thing. That being said, um, I just, I don't know if... And and to be honest, Hughes's defensive partner is not going to have to be the best defensive guy on the team because Hughes is intentionally going out there for offensive zone face-offs, a lot of the time he's going up against the second line of the opposition or the check-in line because he's out there for offensive zone times. So it's not like you need Hughes and a shutdown guy. Like there, Hughes isn't starting against the McDavid line when they play the no. others. Like not in the offensive zone, right? So um, I think No Juleson's going to get a really good look. I also think that I I'm still expecting the Canucks to sign Ethan Bear. And when Ethan Bear comes back, I expect him to have an opportunity to play beside Hughes. But that's like, who knows? Like, he still has the shoulder injury. He's not signed. I don't even know if he stayed in. Like, I don't know what's going on with him. So I think that's something to look for down the line. But I think Juleson, opening day, Juleson's going to be listed as the, the guy playing beside Quinn Hughes. See, and that's something I didn't even think about. And because of his injury with uh, with his shoulder, he's not going to be ready to go until January. Mm-hmm. Which, at that point, you could open up you open up more cap space. So when you yep. go to sign a player, it's a it's a retroactive cap space. So he might get paid X, but it's a smaller amount on your cap hit, which would be very helpful because the connects are right up against it again. Yeah. Um, that's an idea that I honestly haven't heard. And I obviously, and I clearly haven't even thought of because, as you said, it's like it makes sense if you if Juleson isn't up to the up to par or whoever is playing with Hughes isn't up to par by December. Do you go to Bears camp and say, "Hey, start skating, start getting in shape. Here's a contract with your with your name on it for this date because it works within our cap structure." Yeah, and they have to sign him by. I don't. I I didn't look this up before. It's kind of like the Willie Nylander situation from a few years ago, where like whether it was December 1st or December 15th, or I want to say it was like middle of December, you have to have an RFA signed by then or they just can't play that year. Um, so do they possibly have an idea with, with Bear where they're like, hey, we want to pay you 1.5 for this year or two? Or, and they're like, yeah, probably. Like, let's figure out how this goes. Maybe they trade his rights throughout the year. But I, I, I would be hard-pressed to believe that they haven't already had – not not – they haven't for sure been like 1.6 or 1.65, whatever, right? But like they're probably one year we're in the 1.5 to 1.75, like we're in there. Like let's see well, how and- the year goes. And it depends on how Juleson or whoever is playing with Hughes plays because if they're lighting it up, then Bear you becomes don't need it. not as likely, right? But, so. but you can also structure it in a way for – the cap hits only eight hundred thousand, and there's eight hundred thousand in uh, bonuses, which then gets yeah. deferred to next year and puts us more in cap issues. But that's fine because yeah. we need to make the playoffs this year. Otherwise, who knows what's going to happen? Um, yeah. Now I don't have it on our rundown here, and I didn't even bring it up. Elias Patterson, I want your take on on his contract situation. Not that media, in, not that uh, people in Vancouver or Vancouver fans should start to panic, but do you find it shocking he hasn't signed a contract extension to this date? Uh, in if you asked me this like three years ago, not not just about EP forty, but just about anybody who was this guy three years ago for the Canucks, I I would say yes. I think with a lot of the the contracts that have been going on. A lot of the RFAs have been kind of extending their going into their like, you know, final year. They've been a lot of like, I mean, I don't want this to happen, but you just look at Calgary, you look at the Matthew Kachuk situation literally a year ago. 
Um, I don't think it's quite to that level. I don't think Pedersen's at the level where he says, like, if the Canucks, and they're not going to, I'm a Canucks fan, they're not going to do this, but let's say the Canucks went out and won the President's Trophy this year and lost in the Stanley Cup final. Like, Pedersen's not going to be like, well, no, I still am not signing, right? Like, if if the Canucks aren't showing that they're going to be putting their best foot forward, he's probably going to ask to leave. But I think the first 10 to 20 games will be very important for the Pedersen contract situation. I think it's important, not just for Pedersen's contract situation, I think it's important for everyone who we consider a core player, whether that's Demko, uh, Miller... Petey, Brock, Hughes. If you have another like one, five and seven record, because apparently we love to lose an overtime in, uh, in October in the early part of the season. Yeah, absolutely. If you have that sort of record, what do you do? You've shot yourself in the foot again, even before you hit American uh, Thanksgiving, which if you don't know American Thanksgiving, if you're in the playoffs, or you're out of the playoffs, it's very hard for you to get into the playoffs, even though it's that early in the season. It, don't ask me science, math doesn't, does the numbers. What do you do? Do you start trading people? Like, do you, do you start looking for a trade partner for Miller and for, do you go to New Jersey and say, you're the only team we're making this deal with? You have to give us everything you own for the next 12 years? <laughs> it's... Uh- I don't think the Canucks make a big trade, no matter how the season starts, until Christmas. You think they hold up until Christmas? Yeah. Like now, if they go zero and ten, then that's that's different. That's a, that's, that's different. That's... But you know, like two five and three, even like I still think that they like. I think they 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 hold off and they're gonna figure something out or pretend like they're trying to figure something out, um, but. That's that's my thought. And it's not like we do, we have an easy October to start either. We have the Oilers back to back, like a home and home with the Oilers. Then we go to Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, Florida, Nashville. Then we're finally back home to play the Blues and the Rangers back to back. And then we finish the um, the month off at home against the Predators. Yeah. To me, there's one there's one game in there that I look at and say that's a guaranteed win. Philly. Philly. Despite going into Philly, it's, <laughs> hey, you never know. Crazier things have happened going into Philly. Their, their fans are crazy insane. Uh, Phil, I know a couple Philly fans. They're nuts with bananas. But, yeah. like, the Oilers split, if you get one point out of that, you're happy. Yep. If you get one point out of the the Florida the Florida trip, you're happy. Yep. What like you need to be be able to beat the Rangers? Who who knows what they're gonna look what they're actually gonna be like? Yeah. And same with the Predators. Those like you need to beat those three teams and the Flyers, and hopefully steal a win from one of the Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning, or and the Oilers. Yeah. To be in a good position. If you come out of those first five games, you want to have four to five points and you probably consider that a fairly successful and you know what if, if out of that out of those first five games i would consider that a huge success based off of our recent most recent starts few years. yeah but um speaking of the first game with the oilers october 11th we discussed this off screen a little bit so i'm going to actually pull up my list because i have the memory of a, of a bloody goldfish yeah Opening night depth chart. Um, this is something I always like to do because you never know what's going to happen. And I think it's always fun to see what other fans think. Yeah. I'm going to think... start. I, I'm i going to start in, in net. Okay. Because I don't think either one of us is going to change here. No. Patrick Demko is your starter. Yes. Unless there is an injury in preseason. Yeah. Canucks lock. It's bound to happen eventually that we get the the injury bug through our goalies again, knocking on everything I think is make, made of fake wood. Yeah. But, do you want to go through your defensive pairings first? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's do that. I'm gonna say Hughes Juleson, which we've we've already discussed. Uh, Heronic with Cole, 
Uh, Cole's kind of shown himself as a fairly good puck mover so far. Not like, not the bid stretch passes, but he's very calm and confident just from camp and what I've seen, what I've heard. Um, and he's and played on that, some, he's played important minutes with some in very big teams, like winning yeah. teams. Yeah. So I think it makes sense. Um, and then uh, the only thing that scares me is, is if that's the case, that Hironic Cole line is, and, and Cole was to what I want him to be to Hughes, to, to Hedman. Hedman's also not the guy that's getting the defensive zone starts against the McDavid line. Hedman's the guy that's getting the offensive zone starts. Cole's defensive pairing came out for those. And Hironic, um, his biggest thing in Detroit, just from a little bit of research I've done, was um, when he first started and he was getting those time against the big, big boys, that's when he struggled the most. Now he was younger. He's grown. Um, Maurice Sider came in and kind of was taking over a lot of that responsibility, and Hironic has looked better since then. So if you put him on a pairing with Cole, could be a little sketchy, but I think that's how they start. But if you're also looking at it like your second, to me, that that is a second pairing that's not a shutdown pairing. No. But it's not a you need to put them in the offensive zone every time. You could put them any zone, and I'm comfortable with them. Yeah. But I, to me, you have Hughes Juleson, who you can put up against the McDavid line, but why would you want to waste Hughes's ability on that? And Juleson, I think, would be exposed. Yeah. And Agreed. Corona Cole, I don't know if you trust them defensively enough to be both of them like as a, as a pairing, because we haven't yeah. seen them as a pairing defensively enough against that. And who do you have as your third pairing? Uh, Susie Myers. So that would basically mean that you're the way we're talking is Susie Myers is our shutdown pair. Yeah, that that's Ugh. what I said. Those are the words that came out of my mouth. Well, it's funny because we have the exact same pairings on defense. Fair. Um, do you, okay, who do you have as your seventh defenseman who's probably sitting in the press box to start the year? Before this, before this preseason game, I would have said Matt Irwin because he he's a physical defenseman. He can get in there in games where you know it's going to get chippy and ugly, and is willing to defend players. Now, yeah. after watching him, don't get me wrong, he did do that in the game. He he stood in and, and took a fight. But after watching the game defensively, I think we're I'm leaning more towards Will Lannon than I am uh, Irwin. Fair. I have Rathbone there, but I want that to be true. I want that. I want that. True. Yeah, that that might just be a want, but that's who I have, and I just hope he starts up and can do something. But again, none of the players looked good last night. I don't rem- like. I know Rathbone was on the ice at points. I don't remember him. He didn't make an impression on me. So, and I don't know if that's good or bad in a ten to nothing blowout because it's not like. It's not like Jet Wu where I was really hoping for good things from him and literally the first goal of the game, it goes off of his <laughs> skate, redirects right in front of She Loves and it goes through She Loves' Bible. And it's like, that's just Wu's luck. Like, it, he's been cursed from the moment he was selected. Yeah. Because it, w- it was Benning's pick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have the exact same pairing of Hughes, Juleson, Aronic Cole, Susie Myers. I could also see a situation where you get you get Hughes and Cole, Heronic and Susie, and then Juleson Myers is your third pairing. Yeah. So I, I went back and forth on something very similar to that, to be honest with you, and I was just like and then I don't know. I was like, did Hughes and Heroic play together? And I, I think Hughes and Heroic will play together in like a one two one game. You're down five minutes left. They're the two that are going to hop over the boards. Yeah, like I, it, I offensive face off after a TV timeout. Those are those are yeah. two guys out there. Both yeah. of them, one of them will be set up for their one timer. Either way, that's yeah. great because yeah. both of them have a great shot. They both have great playmaking ability. They can get back and make that first shot with the puck or first pass with the puck, sorry, to get it out yeah. of the out of the D zone quickly. 
my, and that's my biggest concern is putting Susie and Myers together on that third pairing is I don't, we, we have a love hate relationship with Myers, uh, the in, chaos, on draft. The chaos draft. He is when he is, when he is on his game, it's great when he's mm-hmm. winding up and taking that slap shot and he's able to use his size to, to hold people out of the screen. And I think maybe just the last few years, it's been too many minutes for him. So that's why I'm hoping that third line, the third pairing minutes will be better. Yeah, that's that's my thought too. I think if he plays less minutes tonight, then he is very possible for him to be successful. Now, and I'm ex- you don't want a guy that you're paying that much to be on the, like your third pair. But at the end of the day, you got to do whatever is the best. If you have to pay a guy that much to send the press spots, like that's – that's the situation you were given. So, I mean, we, we, I was, st- and I still am holding on to hope this far into training camp. It seems like a, a moot point that there might be a trade coming through with, with Myers. Yeah. But the more I think about it, the more I, I hear and see the players that I was hoping to be able to come up and fill in that placement. We don't have it. There's not that right shot depth. No. And no player, very few organization is going to trade you right shot defenseman for a right shot defenseman in an even trade. No, we would have, you have, have to throw, throw a sweetener, and we already did that to get rid of Pearson. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a uh, it's a tricky situation on defense. It'll be fun to see what happens because I'm expecting a lot of movement. I'm expecting us to play like twelve to thirteen defensemen this year. Yeah. The only other thing that I want to make a very good point about before we move off the defenseman is the Canucks management did a really good job this year in the fact that these new guys that we're talking about, and I know Philip Peronik was a trade. This is his last year, and then he's an RFA. Ian Cole, one-year contract. Carson Soucy did sign for three years, but... He's a little bit younger than some of the other guys. He's 29. How much is the cap hit? 3.25. And if the cap goes up as much as we're hoping and expecting, and I was listening to Thomas Drantz last week who says with the the bankruptcy of Bally Sports and now the bankruptcy of Biosteel, two major partners for the NHL, we... They might try to use that and say, let's let's calm down the cap talk again. Yeah. And another and, modest million dollar increase. Yeah. And Tyler but, Myers is on the last year of his contract. I know that wasn't signed this offseason, but it's coming off the books. Yeah. Even even if the cap only goes up a million, Susie, a second or third pairing for three and a half million dollars who you can rely on, I'm yeah. okay with that. I'm perfectly totally. okay with that. Um okay, let's jump let's jump to your forward lines. All right, so this is this is partially based off of training camp, and this is where they want them. So there's – I don't know if you've seen this. I was trying to find the, the tweet, um, and I couldn't find it, so I don't remember what the, all the parents were. But there was a tweet. I want to say it was Drance, but I couldn't find it, so it might have been somebody else that said uh, um, they were kind of looking at having pairs on the forward lines and then yes. just that was- getting a third guy in. That was Drance. Uh, he was speaking on it. He would, had a talked with Rick Talkett. Um, he yeah. was talking about it on his radio show on Canucks Talk. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I I built my lines somewhat around that idea. Yeah, I built my lines a little bit around at least the top. The top sits built around that, and then I kind of went off. And and I think part of it is so. Start first line. I believe we probably both have the same. We have Kuzmenko, we have EP40 up the middle, and we got Hodlander on the right wing. That is that is to me the best case scenario for your top line to start with, especially because I don't know, we don't know for certain what's going on with um, Ilya Mikheyev, and yeah. if he'll be back in time for the start of the season. I have a note on that on my next line. Yeah, there we go. Look at that. <laughs> Uh, next line is you got Miller up the middle, you got Besser on, on one side, um, which is kind of their one-two punch. And I think 
they're going to try and start with puck tools in there. Um, and I think if either Pod Tolson or Hodlander fail and Mikheyev comes back five games into this season, that's where he goes. He'll go to either side, he'll go to either wing, and he'll flank one of those lines. And those guys will either get kicked right down the line or just straight to the bench for a couple of games. Press box. And that's not a bad thing. Like, I mean, there was a lot of discussion when uh, Boudreaux did that with Hoaglander before sending him down. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing for these younger players when you're 22, 23 to play to play a couple games, three or four games, then go on a back-to-back, go sit in the press box and watch. If I, you're if you're doing it properly and you're a professional about it and you're watching, you're not just pissy because you're not in the lineup. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. I think the issue is if Hogliner's going to go sit for nine straight games, then you just need then to send them down. But, like, it happens with your bottom four defensemen, bottom two especially, all the time. You just, like, rotate them in and out. Like, it's a physical game. Like, it's fine. There's a reason why a a seventh defenseman is such a common term in NHL nowadays is because, like, yeah, playing defense, sometimes you get hit. And, I mean, on a back-to-back in Myers or Cole, guys who are getting up there in age, they take – they they play 10, 15 games – then there's a back to back, and they're like, "Guys, like, I'm tired. I need. Yeah. I just need a recovery day." And I cool. blocked Here's a guy four shots last night. Like, exactly. Pretty bruised up. Like, it hurts to walk today. Like, I could play. And, if this was game seven. I'd be out there. But and that's the thing is long term. Do you do you care if it's game twelve or game twenty of an eighty two game season? Because you know they'll be fresh when it's game ninety in the playoffs. Like, yeah. Agreed. Um, all right, so let's get to your third line. All right, this is uh, this is where I think it's going to get a little bit spicy. So I have Connor Garland on one side. We got Beauvillier on the other wing, and then I have Studnika in the middle. You have Studnika in the middle. Okay, I do. I do. He's he, not. Tockett's favorite last year, and Tockett has talked numerous times already this year about how much of a professional he was, how um, great he was last year, and how he's worked on it this year. And he started training camp on the wing. He was not, like, and now he's he's moved back to center since he's been there. Now that might mean that he's going to go down to the AHL, but I needed to have a spicy pick. So I'm having Stanika in my open a day roster as a centerman. That's if you put him on on the wing, I'm all on it. But the the center depth that they went out of their way to sign is yeah. so they didn't have to put a Stanika at center. Yeah, and I thought that too. But then he's been playing center the last couple of days of training camp, and I was like, that's weird. But that's you're not wrong. Like again. <laughs> You're not wrong, and I've seen crazier things happen. Hell, like, it wouldn't surprise me if halfway through the year we pull the plug on Miller being a center and he's playing wing again up where on the top line. Yeah. And what do you do then? You need someone like a student to be able to step in and take those face-offs. I, I like it. I don't I don't hate it. So is your pairing on that one, is your pairing on that one the, the wingers, Garza and Beauvillier? See, this is this is kind of where I went off the rails, but yeah, no, I fair. think I think Garland, and Bolivier are they have to be your parent, and then you can move uh, Suter up if you need to. You can move like I don't know. There's you can move Bluter up. I have Bluter playing on the wing on my fourth line, so you have another guy who can play center. No, um, I don't. I don't mind it. Like my first thought was I don't like it, and then as I'm thinking <laughs> about it, I don't mind it. Because I think Garland and Beauvillier would be a great pairing together because you've got the sporadicness of whatever Garland does. And there's no, there's no, there's no words, let alone hockey words to describe what Garland does because he no. spins, spings, freaking does backflips. I don't know how he does it, but he holds onto yeah. that puck and Beauvillier is patient enough to get into that soft, those soft spots and yeah. has a good enough shot that he can clean up. They need yeah. a centerman who can get them the puck in the offensive zones. 
and I think all three of them are competent enough on the on defense that yeah. you're not you're not losing anything. Yeah. So that was that was my thought. I think what we need for that line to work is we need the Garland that played the first 25 games of the NHL season last year and not the Garland that played the rest of the year. Yeah. And I wonder if he's familiar with Tockett. Like, yeah. And he's they've talked about it. Like, Garland, I know, has talked about it, where he's like, I like having, like, I, I like Tockett because you know what you get with him. Yeah. And I think it was, one, like, he said something along those lines. So don't quote me on exactly what he said. But it was one of those, was like, I wonder if he was one of the guys who kind of felt lost with Boudreaux's lack of system system. I think so. I, Where it's like, he's like, cool, I can go do whatever I want. And it's like, okay, now what do I do? I've got the pocket. I'm throwing it at the net, but it's not going in. There's yeah. no base system to fall back on. Yeah, totally. And I don't know. I think they brought Tockett in. They got OEL out and they kept garland so i think there's something like i think there's something there and i also i also think it would have been very hard to trade garland this offseason I, I oh i agree i agree with that entirely but you know he's he's okay. there and garland's yep. another guy if he plays like he did at the start of last year and pods or odds don't you show can, up you put him up he, he can easily be bumped i i think garland or bovillier either the winners on this third line could like there's a world where our third line in my like in in my line formation is pod Stunika Hoglander by like game five. Yep. Which is to me again, I don't mind that line. I would put I would if we're gonna do that, I would swap probably swap out Bluger for Studnika just because he's a lot more defensive minded. And we know some of the criticism on Hoglander has been his defensive play. So you just have that balance. But yeah. I, I agree. I just mean more so like I could see both those wingers getting moved up the lineup and then those other two coming down. No, I, so I like that. What's your like third that. line then? What do you have as your third line? So, yeah, we have identical top six. Yeah. My third line is PDG, Phil DiGiuseppe. Yeah. Pius Suter, Pius Suter, and Bovillier. Okay. So, I'm going more of a defensive minded third pairing. That you're putting out there as a shutdown pairing. You're putting you're putting them over the boards when it's McDavid and McDavid off an icing call where he he's got a little bit of gas. He doesn't have all the gas left, but you can trust this team to this line to go out there and shut him down, control the puck, get it out. Totally. Maybe make it an offensive play. Um, I just think like Studnika was on the border for me for my. Uh, yeah. lines. I also don't have Garland in the lineup. I yeah, see that was the big thing that instantly clicked when you sent me yours. I was like, okay, the bottom six is gonna be different. Oh, no, no Garland. No Garland. I think Garland is going to be the guy sitting in sitting and watching for the first four or five games. He's gonna be the uh, guy who gets the call when pods are Hoaglander if pods and Hoglander fall off or if um, the, if D Giuseppe or Amon aren't pulling their weight. Yeah. What's your fourth line then? Let, let's might as well. Yeah. My fourth line, my that. fourth line is Dakota Joshua, Teddy Bluger and uh, Nils Amon. Okay. Okay. My fourth line is Dakota Joshua, Pia Suter and Teddy Bluger because you brought Bluger in for his penalty killing, which that's for the 32nd right to penalty killing team. And, just as bad the year before like you need i don't care if bluger i don't care if bluger plays six minutes a night and it's all on the penalty kill like that you that's need what you're, you're, that's what you were brought in here and that's what you need to do because yeah something needs to happen because it's it's been brutal yeah and they're so going to be tested in the first two games because yeah we're going to take penalties as we showed on uh preseason yeah and yeah, those guys are pretty good at hockey. Those Edmonton Oilers. They are. They are. I have their goaltending filled... is always a question, but the, the the forwards and defensemen very good at hockey. Very good at hockey. Very good. I have Phil Giuseppe and and Sheldon Dries as my thirteenth, fourteenth. But I kind of want to yeah. put a man in there somewhere too. So like, I don't know. There's a lot of options in the bottom sits. I think the like the top sits is like 
pretty solidified. I also think like just looking at second power play unit, like I think Garland's going to be on that. So I think he needs to be in the lineup. And I think with, with Tockett as your coach, he's going to be there because they just have such a good bond. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. From, yeah. From before. So who would you have on your second power play? Sorry. I'm just looking this through on both of our lineups. To me, you'd have, do you have Heronic on from the point? Yeah. Heronic's on the back end. So, so first power play, just to confirm, is yeah. Kuzmenko, EP40, Miller, Besser, Hughes. Yeah. Which means your second power play unit is now, probably... Sorry, if Hoaglander shows the skills to be that Brock, the, the uh, Bo Horvat bumper position in, in practices... I think you could replace Besser with him. I think you could, but they've been trying a new power play in pre or in like their scrimmages and stuff, and it does not involve a consistent bumper. And they move around a lot. Um, I was reading an article about it today. I don't mind it and, after uh, after the shit we've seen where they just stand still and pass the puck around and then miss yeah. that and skate the zone. So from from. Uh, like, for example, on that first power play from the article I was reading, Hughes sometimes moved on to the wing with Besser or Petey, and they would kind of swap. But for the most part, Hughes was on the blue line. Besser and Petey were on the side, but then they all kind of moved around, and they allowed them to go behind the net, which was something that wasn't really done in the past. Um, so that's my first PP line. And then yep. PP2, that's going to be Hoglander, Beauvillier, Garland, Ronitz on the back end, and then it just kind of becomes who's your fifth guy? And it, it could yeah, be pods. It should be you pods. Need a guy, you need a guy to but take face offs, though. Yeah. That's do you the have issue. do you have a studenica take the face off and, and when peel off and, and gets and, and get pods or hugs out there? Or yeah. are you confident enough in their ability to take those? four or five face-offs, three face-offs a night as a second line. Yeah. It's possible. Depend- right. So, And I mean, pause is a big enough guy. He could just go in there and try to push forward and tie up the, the center right away, yeah. win it back with the skate. Yeah. And it, it could be Miller or Petey just coming on for the face-off. And if he wins yeah. it, maybe he stays on for a couple seconds. And if he doesn't, he just skates off to the bench for the retrieval. Or, I mean, real in reality, I mean... Unless you just had a power play, how, how often are you not starting with your PP1 and you just don't worry about a true centerman? Yeah. So that's... No, I don't yeah. mind that. Again, the, the only way, the only thing I would, would have swapped out would be... Um, honestly, I would put in Hogspot, I would put Amon from my lineup. Yeah. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I think that's fine. Okay. Again, the bottom the bottom six for the Canucks is so fluid and mushy that yeah. I think it's going to take until November or December for us to have a solid lineup. I think, again, I we're going to find those pairs that work, like whether that's Dakota Joshua and Bluger or Suter. And again, I'm I'm really growing on the garland Beauvillier pairing. Yeah. And have a center float between the between them. Okay, speaking of the Canucks power play, I have a, I have a fun question for you now. Oh no. The past two seasons. Yep. So full full two seasons. Yeah. One to thirty-two. Where do they rank in total power play goals? They are seventh. Wow, that was a very good guess. No, I heard this recently. Ah I heard it because I knew they were in the top the top half of the league. Yeah. And I knew they were higher end. Yeah. yeah. And they ranked top 10 in the NHL over the last 164 regular season games, the last two years, by both power play conversion rate and overall power play goal differential. So so then why, why are we reinventing the wheel? And is it just because Bo is gone and we don't have that beautiful bumper spot anymore or, or bumper player anymore? Or I is think it just let them let them play. They're, they're, yeah. And that was this is this got brought up in the article. It's like, are, are we replacing something that's not broken? Yeah. Just for the sake of it being different. And I think 
The other thing to note, though, is that these guys are so used to, and they see it all the time. Everybody plays it. Everybody plays the diamond on the penalty kill now because everyone plays the bumper. Like so many teams do this, that if this rotate in wheel, whatever they're calling it, doesn't work, just go back to the bumper. I was going to say, and the worst, worst part, even if it doesn't work for one game, they have the pieces there that they can just, they know how to format to readjust during mid game. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just like the, it's like the drop pass for years. Um, oh, what's his name? Our old power play coach. Who's oh, now with Anaheim. Yeah. I can't think. Can't think of his name. His name is gone in my brain. Um, it'll come to me like as soon as we hit end stream for the end stream. The Boom. Show. There it is. Um, he used, he was like kind of the originator, the innovator of the drop pass. And now every single team is kind of doing it. And now you're seeing variations on that drop pass. And like Hughes last year, three or four times, faked that drop pass so well and then just took it in himself. Yeah. This could be like a, just kind of what I would call a floating diamond where they all know how to play the different positions and they just float through it. Yeah. It could work. Yeah. So, so either way, I'm excited. We have, yeah. we have math. One, two, three. We have three preseason games before the next show, before the next podcast. Fair. One of them got... isn't on air. One of them isn't on air, which sucks. Fair. Um, but well, we have games. We have hockey back on. It feels like we it's been a long time. Watch. It has. I don't, it has don't know why. Like maybe it's because I'm doing the, the show and I've noticed it week after week. But this offseason felt very goddamn long, and I'm tired of having long <laughs> goddamn off seasons. Yeah, it has been a very long off season, and I was talking to my boss at work the other day, and we were both saying how like it's been six months since I've watched a live hockey game because I go to like I went to the junior, I went to the Prince George Juniors game, yeah, and they won their first round playoff matchup. I was at that game, so I was like, that's the last playoff, or that's the last hockey game I've seen. Like it's been months. So, well, I, think uh, about it. I mean. The Canucks haven't had a home playoff game since 2012. I don't want to think about years. that, actually, Jake. 11 years. <laughs> since long time since ago. Rogers Arena, the garage, whatever you want to call it, had a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of losing. Like, I am. I'm just tired. Like, I don't care if we squeak into the playoffs. I don't care if we're a president's goddamn trophy and we get swept in the first round. Give I just me, want to see some playoff hockey. Give me hockey to care about. Because I care yeah. all 82 games. I am, even before doing the show, I was a guy who'd watch comfortably, I'd say, 70 out of the 82 games. Yeah. Because sometimes life gets in the way and I bitch about it the entire time. But when friends come in from out of town and shit happens, you're like, God damn it, I guess I'm not watching the hockey game. But yeah. Now I have a reason to watch every single hockey game, and no one can really complain about me because of the, the, the website and the show. Yeah, um, right? That's why you started the podcast, is to watch the other 12 games. See? This guy knows. Um, which is, I'm going to announce this, and it's very tentative, but I'm going to try. I say try, and I stress it because in October, I'm going to be very busy. As uh, October is still football month and football... Uh, I'm officiating. Uh, the last two weekends combined, I have done uh, three, six. What's six and five? Six and six is twelve. I've done twelve. Wow, that was hard math. I've done twelve so games smart. in the last in the last fourteen days. Oh wow! Um, so it's a lot of football. If if you like football and you're watching and you think I should want to get involved somehow, maybe I should coach. Maybe you should ref because it's fantastic. It's fun, and you get paid to do it. And we need you, especially in the Calgary area. We need you. Please come out. I, uh, this is a unpaid advertisement, but please come out. If you have any questions, you can hit me up on Twitter at jstreams or the HSP underscore Pod. I can get you in contact with the people because we desperately need more and more and more and more officials. But because of that, I'm, I'm going to hesitate on saying every week. But once we get into November and once football stops up, it's going to be every week. I'm going to do a game by uh, uh, a week review at the end of the week of every single game and break down highlights, lowlights, 
and and kind of the progression of the season. I want to do this so you guys can see how hopeful and happy I am from from week one. And, and by the time we get to like week 20, how sad and desperate I am just to make the playoffs. Uh, and I want it on the record. So, um, and you'll be able to see all of that. Look at this. It's almost like I planned it this way. You can see all of that at the HughSports.ca <laughs> website. Um, we've been lacking the last couple of weeks. Again, see, Hugh Sports Podcast. Uh, if you if you like that, keep your eye out uh, for the playoffs. We'll probably do our uh, first annual uh, playoff bracket challenge because the first one is actually called the inaugural and the first one that happens the second time it's actually the f- first annual it's very confusing the english language is dumb thank you um but you can check out esports.ca we have all sorts of news articles uh, our power our weekly power rankings the old man rants when he's not in europe enjoying life and ignoring his children as it gets like chilly here in like september but it's cool it's whatever um but yeah, that's where you'll also be able to find my weekly reports on the Canucks. I have no idea what I'm going to call it. I, I I like naming things, so I'll come up with a stupid name that makes me giggle, and we'll go with it from there. Now, because we've taken up 52 minutes already talking about <laughs> hockey Oops. and projections, let's do a really, really, <clears throat> really quick recap of week uh, 16 in the CFL. Um, game number one, we had the Rough Riders going into Ottawa, and I typed that wrong. I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's not right. The Riders end up losing the game 28 to the Red Blacks 36. Um, I, I was about to say that, um, I was like, oh, the CFL's <laughs> website is, is wrong again, but nope, that was just you. No, that's there just it is. mistyping. That's what there we said. Fixed it. Yeah, see. For those who uh, aren't watching on YouTube, you don't even know. The, the podcast heard me read it out perfectly fine. Um, I think it's just it, it, Rough Riders are in a, in a tough situation. They're on their third quarterback, even though he's a young kid who's got all the potential in the world. I think it's just time for either a new voice in Saskatchewan or for next year them to come back with Trevor Harris regroup ready to go. Because this season has just been a bust. Um, technically, I think they still have a they're, they're still in a playoff spot. The way everything's trending, it, you're going to be facing the, the Blue Bombers and the Lions in, in the first round away from Regina. It's it's going to be a bit of a, a beatdown. But again, I've seen crazier things happen in the CFL, so I'm not going to hold my breath and say, Saskatchewan, your season is done. You just got to be better. A lot of the teams in the West just need to be better. Just be better. Um, Speaking of a team that got better, has gotten better since firing uh, or moving uh, uh, the offensive coordinator and has now put in a new, young, fresh quarterback in Trey Ford, the Elks, they walk into BC. Or no, the Lions walk into the Edmonton. I can read. Don't worry about me. Um, and lose to a score of 37 to 29. Uh I watched this is the most of the game that I watched actual of and I didn't just watch the highlights. It looked pretty easy. Like the score makes it look close. It was not a close game. Um it was uh the Lions had it well in hand and in in the last few minutes the Elks made it look close. And it is a one score game and anything can happen, but the Lions well the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are off this week. The Lions make it that one game closer. They are now tied and technically in second place with the Blue Bombers. And the game on October 6th is going to be the game to watch for the Western Conference, Western Division, because BC could be hosting playoff games. Vancouver could be hosting playoff games. <gasps> They're doing not it. The Vancouver, just not the Vancouver Canucks. The BC it's Lions. a different arena. Just um, down the road. Just across the street, really. Yeah. And, I mean, the Whitecaps are sounding like they might even host home playoffs. So, then if the Canucks do it, it would be three teams. Three teams in the three major sports. I'm not holding my breath. No. But it's a possibility. Um, Then we go to the Alouettes and the Stampeders. And I just think that the... Stampeders, the organization as a whole, needs just a shake-up. And they either need a new playbook... A new quarterback, a new coach, 
And my favorite of out of all of these options is all three. All of Jake Meyer. Ones. Jake Meyer is not a starting quarterback with this playbook, and Coach Dickinson refuses to make any changes. The Alouettes are a good team, but you need to you need to be making adjustments. Your quarterback is not the same quarterback you've had in years past. And for the last 16 weeks, you've run the same playbook that has netted you a total of uh, four wins in 14 games. It's time to make a change. Um, that's all I got to say about that game. The Owls are, ca- are pretty solidly in second place. I can't see them really lo- moving. Um, and then we go to the Hamilton Tiger Cats going into Toronto. And Toronto is just the best team in the league. They're better in every aspect of the game. I've been saying this since week two. They are the team to beat in the Grey Cup. Chad Kelly, we could have a repeat. We could have a repeat champion in the CFL. And this might hurt the Blue Bombers' feelings, the Blue Bomber fans' feelings, the Smurf Mafia. They're, they're, grrr. It's not your team. It's going to be the Argos. They're that good. Even if it's the BC Lions, the Lions go in and play the Argonauts. It's going to be hard for the Blue Bombers or the Lions on their best day to beat the Argos on their best day. Does that mean it's going to happen? No, of course not. We we play the game for a reason. Players have off days. It's also the middle of November in bloody Hamilton and outside on a field. We could have a blizzard and you won't be able to throw the ball and things completely change. But, I mean, for the Argonauts, that's not a problem because they have one of the best running backs in the league. It's 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 the Argos championship unless they shoot themselves in their foot. And to finish up for this week, let's make some picks. I know you're right on top of your... Uh, your CFL knowledge there. I, d- I just gave you a quick rundown of everything. Yeah, I, I got my pits out right here. I, I got, Ooh, I got look the at you. matchups. I got my pits made. They're bolded. Let's, I know who I'm going to say. Let's go. This guy's prepared. I don't know who I'm going to say. So you're, you're steps out of me. Okay, I always do this. The people always assume like me, especially me and the old man that we're super planned out. And no, normally we, we know what we want to talk about. We, we put it into captions and then we just kind of free flow. The old man usually writes down his picks so he knows which picks he wants to go with. I don't. I'm As we're going through the picks, I'm like, yeah, I feel like this way. So, the first game, which I think is going to be the game of the week, we have the Toronto Argonauts going into the Winnipeg to face the Blue Bombers. Six or 5 p.m. Pacific time. The early game on Friday. Who, Deej, do you have? Okay. And this is, this is partially because I want the October 6th matchup to mean even more. Yeah. Winnipeg coming off of a bye week, having two full weeks to pair, prepare for Toronto. Best team. I'm going to go Winnipeg. I want to disagree with you. I do. <laughs> but the problem is, is I understand it. I understand the reasoning. I can't choose them. I can't. I just went on. I just went on a one-minute rant about how the Argonauts are the best team in the league. Yeah, your rant almost made me change it. And if I'm putting money down, I'm not putting money down on Winnipeg. But I'm not putting money on this game. For the fun of it, I want Winnipeg to win. I'm not putting money on this game. Period. No matter how many points, whichever way, because this game could go either way. Yeah, I'm going to take the Argonauts. I think. I just think there's that little separation between. The Argonauts and the Blue Bombers, because I tier things. I, I've learned this for, that uh, listening to Thomas Drantz, uh, I tier things. He's very big on tiers. Argonauts are tier one. Blue Bombers and Lions are tier two. Then everyone else is like tier four. Um, then we got the Saskatchewan Rough Riders going into BC Play Stadium to take on the BC Lions. The late game on Friday. Who do you have? Mr. DJ. I am taking the BC Lions. Let's go. Two for two matchup. on the BC Lions. Even Lions. better. Um, I can't I can't be I'm not gonna be shocked if this is a blowout game. Um, I think last I saw it was like a nine and a half point spread. I still don't think I'm taking that spread. Like I, I'm not taking the Lions with against the points because 
I don't trust I don't trust that we don't get up a huge lead and then give it up and, and it's an eight point game at the end of the day like we did last last week. Um, yeah. So that's the reason I'm not taking the spread, but I am picking the lines. It's straight up. Then we have the Montreal Alouettes going into Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks, whatever those are. Um, a 2 p.m. matinee or a 1 p.m. matinee Pacific time. Um, who do you got for that one? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I guess gotta go with Montreal. Yeah, I, I'd love to see. Don't get me wrong. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Red Black, Red Blacks themselves are a better team than what the, what the record shows. But the Owls are just the Owls should win, mm-hmm. which means they're, in my opinion, this could be the upset of the week. You could have the Red Black. You could have the Red Blacks pull it off and really kill it. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked either way. To be honest, yeah. And then we have the fledgling Calgary Stampeders going in to take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the evening game, the 4 p.m. start in in uh, Hamilton. In Hamilton, um, I'm going to take the Tiger Cats. I think they're just a slightly better team. I'm taking but, the Tiger Cats as well. Yeah. Again, I again my my stamps rant uh, four minutes ago probably proves that I'm not a fan of the Jake Meyer, <laughs> Dave Dickinson combo, but never say never. It's a CFL. The, the thing is that there's like one game I'm very confident in, in a win, not in the, the point spread. Every other game could go either way. And I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. It's a CFL. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Now, before we go, I'm going to put you on the spot right here. Oh, 96 and a half points for the Vancouver Canucks. Are you taking the over? Or are you taking the under? Nine, just for those who know who don't know, sorry, ninety six and a half is the is the get into the playoff point uh, point for the Pacific Division over the last like four or five years. Ninety six and a half points most of the time will get you into the playoffs. Oh man, I'm. You know what? I took the over last year on everything Canucks, and it bit me in the ass. So I'm. You did. Going, I remember you being I'm like, you, "I got this. You're gonna take the under." I... I'm taking the under. I think they get like 94. Like, I think they're really close. I think that's a I good th- line. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm going to hold on to my optimism while it's still here, despite a 10 to nothing loss last night. And I'm going to say we hit 98 points this year. Okay. I say we're not even a wild card team. My, okay. my, my prediction, 98 points third place in the Pacific behind the golden noodles and the boilers. Yeah. That's what I had last year. My prediction last year was boilers, Knights, Canucks. And uh, that's not what happened, but it happened. Uh, Nancy Jackson, my mother chimes in and she is taking the under as well. So maybe it's just a, maybe it's just a BC thing. Like you guys are in the BC air, whatever you guys inhale out there is, uh, is just a pessimism. It just ekes off of you guys. Yeah, that's that's called being that's uh wildfire smoke actually that I'm in. <laughs> oh, trust we've gotten a lot of that here. <laughs> Not the actual fires, just a, a shit ton of smoke. Just our smoke, yeah. But Deej, I appreciate you coming on uh, and filling the spot of the old man because let's face it, last week no one, everyone got tired of about half hour of me talking to myself, and there was enough to cover that I needed someone to bounce terrible ideas off. No, that's fair. I uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, I look forward to the next time. I'll be back. Sorry, fans, yes, but I'll be back. <laughs> he will be back in two weeks. Deej, we're not spoiling anything. In two weeks, we have a special guest coming up, and I'm very excited for it. Uh, not a guest host, not a co a co-host, a guest host, uh, but someone who'll be on for a segment. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment of who you think it is. I'm not going to give you any hints. Um, I'm not going to reply to anything. I'm not going to like anything. So I'm not going to give anything away. If you're on listening on Google Podcasts to Apple Podcasts, uh, the Spotify, leave a comment and tell me who it is. Tell me who you think it is. That is that that is fair. I will uh, I will say uh, it is a NHL guest. It is someone who is in the the sphere. 
of the Vancouver Canucks. And I'm going to leave you guys with that. A cliffhanger. A cliffhanger that's two weeks away. Next week, uh, we'll be back with the old man sitting in, and probably he'll be sitting in this chair. I'll be finally back home sleeping in my own bed in my own chair, and I'll be way happier. But for now, I appreciate you all, all you tuning in. Have yourselves a wonderful night. Mwah. Goodbye.